Becoming a good father does not come naturally. It takes practice. We talking about practice? Yeah, we're talking about practice on this episode of the Fathers Who Fight podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the Fathers Who Fight podcast. This is Rob, and Lloyd and Brighton are with me again. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Rob. Somebody asked me on Facebook uh, last week after I posted our our last episode if we were going to do an election preview podcast, and uh, <laughs> I said, <laughs> it's tempting, but that's not really what we do, so... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we did not do that. If anybody's looking for that, uh, you can talk to us individually and we can tell you what we think about all that stuff. (laughs) Yep. So no, this is not an election podcast, a political podcast. We are fathers banding together to strengthen one another in following Jesus Christ and resisting the enemy of our souls by living eternal warrior principles. And as a reminder, last week we discussed in our top 10 Number eight, and number eight was noticing what you're doing right. And Brighton, remind us what our challenge was. So our challenge was to take a 24-hour period where you pay attention to the things that you do well and contrast that with the, the battles that you lose or the ways that you don't live up to your own expectations or values and to keep track of which you have more of. Uh, so as I was doing that this week, uh, it happened to fall on Sunday, and particularly during the sacrament is when I was trying to review what I was doing right and what I was doing well, um, compared to where I struggled in the last week. And I noticed it made the sacrament a much more edifying experience for me than it has been recently by thinking about and reviewing those things that I I'm doing well at the things that I'm my father in heaven is probably pleased with. What was it like for you two? I had an interesting experience. Um, as I've been keeping track, I fall into this trap and I know that it's the enemy throwing it at me that I think that I should be so awesome that I don't have to fight that I can, um, just be so great that I, you know, twitch my finger and all the enemy and stuff just flies from me. But that's not reality. And so as I was keeping track, it's like, well, here was a battle. And for example, I, this morning I was getting pounded with thoughts that were not edifying and distracting from what I was really trying to focus on. So on one hand, I'm thinking, oh, I'm so lame because I was distracted. And then it's like, no, each time I was distracted, I recognized it. I did something about it. I got back on track and I won. And so I feel good about that. I feel like I won a whole bunch of times today. And like you said, Brighton, it was fascinating to discover that yeah, I'm actually doing lots better than I thought I was. Because, but it's not because I'm perfect. Nothing ever goes wrong. 
No, it was because when things happen, I know how to fight and I know how to win. Good for you. That's awesome. For me, I have to admit, I for the second week in a row, I, I think part of the challenge was writing stuff down and I didn't write it down, but I did pay attention to it. And it was interesting for me because, you know, I still have the tendency to focus on the negative and what I'm not doing right. But the times that I did focus on what I was doing right, it was um, very rewarding for me internally. And so it's it's definitely something I will need to practice more so that I don't, uh, you know, beat myself up or, you know, get into ruts of negativity. Speaking of practice... Becoming the father you want to be doesn't come naturally for most people, if not all people. And so that's why we feel like number nine on our top 10 list is to practice and work on the things that you want to become. So Lloyd, what are your thoughts to kick off our discussion this week? Practice is a good thing. And So what do we practice is where I want to start with this conversation. And we'll get more into how to practice in a few minutes. But seek to be more like our Savior Jesus Christ. In Preach My Gospel, there's a whole chapter on Christ-like attributes and how it's important to try to incorporate those in our lives. As I've thought about this this week and and all the different things we've reviewed on how we can improve our families, our relationships with our wives, and being the best of ourselves we can be, it just reminded me of a story. Well, I want to talk about a, a story that happened when I was teaching this principle. Years ago, um, I was in the stake young men's presidency, and we would get asked to go to the different wards and teach different principles to the young men and young women. And in this particular ward, there was a young man who I happened to be good friends with. And so to teach my point, I asked him to come up. And I asked him, I said, so if you could go to some kind of a convention or something like that where you could learn about something that you just love, that is the most important to you, what would it be? He said, a gaming convention. And I said, okay. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was 17. What do you expect? <laughs> but <laughs> you sure it wasn't lacrosse? It might have been Comic-Con. I can't remember. But it was something like that. It was a... Um, But the point of what I was asking him is, I said, so if you went to this convention, where would you sit? He says, right up front. And I asked him, why? Why would you sit right up front? And he says, because I just want to soak it all in so I can hear everything and see everything and just take it all in. And that was exactly what I wanted him to say. Did he also say, just like I do in math class? (laughs) Well, that was where I was going next is, you know, at math class or at church or something, where do we sit? In the back of the classroom, right next to the door where you can escape as soon as possible. And why? Because, you know, 
I don't know why at church. I know why in math class because we're not thrilled about being there. <laughs> so, so is that the way we act at church that we're not thrilled about being there? We want to get out of there as soon as possible. Do we really believe that at church we're going to get our soul fed? Well, if we're going to get our soul fed, then why are we sitting next to the back door so we can escape as soon as possible? And, and so my point in, in teaching this is to act like we believe. This applies to our parenting. It applies to how we function as priesthood holders. It applies to all sorts of stuff. I found myself as I've grown up over the years and been in different situations, like called on to give a blessing. And it's like, do I believe that Christ has the power to heal this person? Well, if I'm given the blessing, I absolutely should be in that place to give the blessing as a parent. And I'm praying for God to help my child. And then I get up and act like I have to save them because God's not going to do it. I've got to make sure that they do everything right so they can be saved. That's not acting like I trust my Savior. And, and, and so I think this is a really powerful principle. We need to act like we believe. And that applies to whether it's faith, whether it's hope, whether it's humility, whether it's empathy. All these Christ-like attributes, especially as it talks about in Preach My Gospel, that we want these attributes in our lives, well, we got to act like it. Well, we struggle acting like it because it's really easy to sit on the back row like we've been talking. And so um, I think that ties in with um, drilling that um, Brighton's going to tell us a little bit about that. So we're bad at it. So we know we need to be better. Well, okay, this is how we make a plan to be what we want to be, to act like we want to act. So when we talk about drills in this context, uh, it, it helps to back up a little bit. If you've ever been a musician or an artist or an athlete, you understand the importance of practice or drilling before it's time to perform. If you are an athlete preparing for the championship game, or if you're a musician preparing for the big concert or the recital, or whatever it is, if you want to excel, if you want to be excellent, you know you have to practice, and you practice intentionally, you do it on purpose, you do it over and over and over and over again, until your body can do it on its own, and you don't even have to think about it. The same thing applies in parenthood it same thing applies in our personal relationships with jesus christ it's the same things that we've been talking about i'm reminded of uh, several years ago elder gary e stevenson gave a talk in the priesthood session of general conference it was the talk about your spiritual playbook and he talked about i don't know if this is specifically his words but what i took out of it is repentance is only practice that's all it is. If you want to excel at anything, you have to practice it. And becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ is no different. You create plans and strategies, and you start rolling them out and trying to find ways to improve. 
and be better at this specific Christ-like attribute that you want to work with. There's a couple of things that go into making drills. There's two flavors that I like to talk about. Um, one is the basic flavor, and then the other is the more advanced one. And just for the sake of time, we probably won't touch more on the advanced one today. We can another time. Um, basically, the difference is you take a basic drill, and then you start playing with brain, brain chemistry. And that can be another chem conversation for another time. But the basic aspects of creating a drill is first you have a vision, an end goal of where you're going to get. Um, for me, it's helpful to start with the end in mind and then work backwards. Where if I start with a specific behavior and then try and work forward, it's a lot easier to get lost. So let's say as a father that you have a particular child or children that do certain things that drive you up the wall. And so you're trying to learn the attribute of patience. So with that kind of vision in mind of not only being patient, but being love and long-suffering and all those other good stuff from Doctrine and Covenants 121 towards your children, that's the vision. And then you start working back, uh, trying to identify different places where you struggle, times, locations, events. And from there, you can identify specific uh, behaviors. A quick example to help flush this out. I've shared before that I have a young son who would much rather be a nudist than wear a diaper. <laughs> and it, it's a literal wrestle to put a diaper on him sometimes. And when it's late at night, the, that's typically when I tend to lose my temper. And so one of the things that I discovered is singing or humming helps bring me to a better place. It doesn't have to sound good. It doesn't have to be good. It just, it helps me get to a better place. So the night that I recognized this, as I was writing in my journal and processing all of this, I put down my pen and my notebook and I went to several locations where earlier in that day I had struggled with my son. One was in the kitchen while I was cooking because he just wants to play and be right around my feet while I'm trying to be in front of the stove. And so I stood there and my hand started moving as if I was cooking something. I don't remember what it was, scrambling eggs or something. So I, my hands were moving as if I was cooking that thing while I started singing the first two lines of a song. And then I moved on to the next location, which I think was in the living room. Um, and then the last location I went to the bathroom and started acting as if I was trying to brush his teeth because that's another one of our typical battles. At each time, I sang the first two lines of a song. And doing that just once, so I, I drilled it three different times in the different locations where I struggled, and doing it only that one night because I understood and I practiced the concept of drilling enough was enough to help create some neural connections so that when I was in similar situations, the song immediately came to mind. Now, with most anything that you want to excel with, you have to practice over and over and over again a lot. And so I didn't drill this for a couple of weeks, and I did okay for a week or two, but then it started to fall apart again. And so I had to pull it out and drill it again, and do it again, and do it again to make sure that it stays functional. It's like most anything else in this world, there's that stinking law of entropy where if you don't maintain it, it will fall apart. And drills are the same way. You have to maintain them or they'll fall apart. Excellent. For me, one of the things that I 
have struggled with in the past has been to communicate with my wife as far as passing information along. (laughs) And so for me, what I did is I would uh, set an alarm on my phone. I, I got an app that that you can program it to set off random reminders for, you know, any number of times throughout the day, any hours of the day. And so I would get random reminders throughout the day on my phone that would just say, you know, communicate with my wife. The purpose of that was when I would have the thought that I need to pass some information along to my wife, it would, it wouldn't be, Oh, I'll, I'll tell her later. And then I forget it, you know, the point was to get to a place where whenever I thought that I need to communicate it, I should communicate it. And so that, that drill doing that, sending that reminder in my phone would help me to try and communicate with her, uh, mostly through text. But, you know, even if I didn't have anything to say, just, you know, tell her I love her or, you know, I would tell her something that I had thought of or, you know, whatever it was. And so I definitely feel like I've gotten better at when I feel like I should communicate something to her, I do. <laughs> uh, because, you know, the the better we communicate and are on the same page, the fewer chances there are for uh, disruptions and, and challenges and arguments and whatnot. You bring up an excellent point that I forgot to address is drills are just nice dreams if we don't attach a reminder system to it. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. The goal is to get to what I was mentioning where it becomes a, a neural pathway where it just becomes almost automatic muscle memory. But in order to get it there, you have to develop some sort of reminder system to practice it. Otherwise, it's never going to get practice. Just like musicians, athletes, artists, they create specific, almost sacred time. They are carving it out of their day to practice so they can excel for when it's time to perform. And if you want to excel in a Christ-like attribute or your ability to function as a father, you have to create that specific time with reminders to be able to practice and excel. Yeah, the talk from this most recent conference from uh, Elder Scott D. Whiting, Becoming Like Him, is a, is a great re- reference point, and we'll put the, the link to that talk in the show notes. I love what he said about, first of all, you know, you have to f- figure out what the attribute is and whether it be, you know, like you said, Lloyd, uh, going to the Christ-like attributes page and preach my gospel, or even asking someone uh, you love and respect to uh, kind of guide you along that path. That can be dangerous, can be scary if you go to your wife and ask you, because uh, she'll probably have an opinion. Uh, <laughs> but he pointed out that that the most trusted source, of course, is is God through the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, because God knows exactly what you need, and and He will tell you. And I love the word when when he gave when yeah when he gave the talk when I was listening to the conference. The word that stuck out to me that he used in that talk is keenly. He said that once you choose that attribute, you need to keenly focus on improving it. And to me, um, the idea of, of keenly means like um, almost like a laser-like focus, um, that it's constantly top of mind, um, and it's you know you're, you're taking it seriously. You're not just, uh, oh yeah, that's a good idea, like 
<laughs> like I've done many times in my life. Yeah, yeah. I do that. And it lasts for a day or two or a week and then it falls off the radar. A principle I've learned over the years that could be really valuable is criticism is a gift. It's no fun to be criticized, especially if somebody's doing it out of anger or frustration or something like that. Or even if it's ridicule, if they're making fun of you. But if we separate out the, um, the feelings, the emotions, and we look at it, is there something I can learn from there? Or are they just blowing off steam or whatever? If they're just blowing off steam, if they're just angry or whatever, we can, we can let it go and not even think about it. But if they bring up something that we can do better, then that can be a clue. That can be that gift that can help us to know where we need to improve. A lot of times I know at work we have reviews and, and only you go meet with your boss and talk about goals and, and, and things like that. And, and sometimes I know personally it's like, I want more feedback. I would like to know how I can, how I can do better, where I can improve. And sometimes I don't get that. But with criticism, we can find ways that we can improve. And so while we don't like it, it can be hard to receive criticism. If we look at it as a gift, we can make something positive out of um, a hard situation. That can help us as we're looking for what we want to drill, what we want to do better at. That's one thing that probably any of us could could work on and, and practice at is is accepting criticism. I remember reading um, in a book one time about uh, receiving criticism and and you know before just responding with anger and and getting all upset and offended, they suggested that yeah, the first step or the first uh, response you should have is to ask yourself, well, is it true? Yeah. And you know it may. It may only be partially true. I actually had the opportunity to use that skill one time. We were in a ward. I think at least two of our sons were in the young men's program. And I had made some suggestions to one of the young men leaders about how I felt something should go. You know, I felt like, you know, something wasn't quite going the way I had hoped it would. And I can't remember exactly what his words were, but it was, I think he might've used the words, the word bully. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Possibly even overbearing. Anyways, along those lines. And I was taken aback because, you know, usually people aren't that upfront with you as far as how they feel about you. Usually they try and couch stuff, but he was pretty straightforward as far as the way he felt I was, you know, approaching this, this particular experience. So I, uh, you know, it, it definitely started to hurt at least, <laughs> but, but I didn't, you know, I, I, I really did try to consider, you know, and, and I, it took a few days, um, if not longer for me, uh, or, or it was on my mind at least for, for, for quite a while, as far as, wow, you know, is my, is the way that I approach this, too overbearing? Am I, am I re, really being a bully? Am I really trying to control things? And it 
it really has helped me in the long run to consider, you know, when to speak up, if I should even speak up, and if I do, how to go about it. Um, yeah. You know, we, we get passionate about how, you know, we get passionate about our children and, and, and how we want things to run and, and how, especially if, if we're not in control of a situation, you know, whether it be in, you know, how the young men's program is going or yeah. school or whatever, um, you know, we can get passionate about it and, but there are, you know, diplomatic ways to handle things. And, you know, there's definitely necessity to be firm, I think sometimes, but um, you can do it in a Christ-like way. And so it it it's a it was a definitely a learning experience for me. That reminds me of um, the principle of empathy. That empathy is to being able to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and see things from their position, and then we can make a fairer judgment of the situation. And so, like you talked about wait a minute, maybe he's right. Maybe he has a point that I need to look at. That is approaching empathy, and that is a Christ-like character. And so, yeah, that's a great step in the right direction, recognizing a place to improve. And then, like we talked about, what do you do about that? You create a drill so you can practice it, which is back to practice where we started. (laughs) Yes, which is probably a good place to start to wrap it up. And so with that, Brighton, why don't you go ahead and issue our challenge for the week? Our challenge this week has two parts. The first is to go to the chapter of Preach My Gospel that focuses on Christ-like attributes. I believe it's chapter six, but I could be wrong. At the end of the chapter, there's a little... Lloyd's nodding, so it's chapter six. (laughs) At the end of the chapter, there's a little questionnaire quiz type thing where you do kind of a self-analysis where you're trying to discern which attributes you are doing well with and which you could really do well to spend some time working on and improving. So that's part one of this challenge is to take a few minutes and go and do that. And then part two is to design and begin to practice a drill based off that and remember the process is relatively straightforward you identify a place to grow you focus on the vision and then you work back from there trying to identify a specific behavior that you can do the more specific you can make that the better and then you start building in reminders and times when you will practice that over and over again until it becomes easier to act like you believe thank you and just like you very well explained uh, earlier what a drill is and and how to go how to go about deciding what to do. That is uh, just some of the great mentoring you can get from mentors like Brighton. If you go to lifechangingservices.org and click on the life coaches and mentors page, if you feel like you could use some extra help in that area, we invite you to go there. We also invite you to email us at fathersufight at lifechangingservices.org and let us know how things are going for you regard, with regards to your fathering and, and working on these challenges that we issue. 
We also want to remind you that next week is our monthly Fathers Who Fight meeting on Zoom. And so we can put a link to that meeting in the show notes as well. We would love for you to join us and uh, have a discussion with us and, and dive a little bit more deeply into principles of fathering and why we fight and all that good stuff. So until next time, when we wrap up our top 10 list finally, we wish you a great week and look forward to our next episode of the Fathers Who Fight podcast.